empty 30 poles every morning. And she says that when the contractors have been on the beer, they're absolutely full to the brim. Sometimes we're sick and all. Ruth, shut up, Alice demanded, causing Ruth to stick out her tongue once again. Anyway, I'm going to bed. I don't want black under me eyes for the big night. And we've to be up at half past five, don't forget. Lizzie went to the clothes closet for the umpteenth time and peered in, admiring the dress hanging there. Ruth skipped around the large iron bed and stood beside her. Oh, Lizzie, it's lovely. You're going to look beautiful, I know you are. Lizzie closed the door reluctantly. She could stand admiring the dress all night. Not that it was completely new. Nobody ever had brand new except Alice. And that was only since she was set on in the offices and had begun earning more. But nor did they ever go shabby either. Their mother saw to that. Emily Stanford prided herself on being able to make something out of nothing. An excellent needlewoman, she was often called upon to sew for the people up on the hill. Everything from curtains to layettes for expected babies and ball gowns for the spoiled daughters of the business folk and managers from the mills and factories. Most of them lived on the hill overlooking Cottonley and were usually referred to by the townspeople as the posh folk. The majority of ordinary mortals never saw beyond the ornate iron railings and tall poplars surrounding the gardens. But Emily Stanford often had the opportunity to admire the interiors, whilst measuring windows, or people, in readiness for curtain or dressmaking. The ladies of the houses would often pass on cast-off garments to Emily, and it was one of those that had been altered beyond recognition, and was now hanging in the closet, ready for Lizzie's big night. Emily accepted that her sewing for the posh folk was a thorn in the side of her husband Isaac, who considered it demeaning for his wife that she had to work. Unfortunately, Isaac's income as a plate layer on the railroad to the works in Cottonley didn't quite match the family outgoings. And though at one time Emily had been forbidden to lower herself by offering her services, the opportunity had arisen for her to make use of her talents a few years ago, when Isaac went away to fight. On Isaac's return he found a more dominant Emily, already established, and, according to her clientele, indispensable. With three daughters rapidly approaching womanhood, Isaac had accepted the extra income grudgingly, but without much persuasion. I'm getting in bed! Ruth leapt onto the high patchwork-covered bed, dived down below the sheets, and snuggled into the centre. She had realised long ago that the middle was the warmest place, with Lizzie on one side and Alice on the other, even if it had the disadvantage of being between the pillows. Though tonight, with her hair bound in white cotton curling rags, she was able to manoeuvre them into the gap in such a way that they wouldn't stick into her head quite so much. "'Hurry up, Lizzie! I'm cold!' she called, and Lizzie pulled down the sheets and followed her into the lumps and bumps of the flock mattress. Ruth smoothed the front of her white starch nightdress, 
so that no creases would dig into her skin when she cuddled up to her sister, and noticed with a shock that her nipples hardened as her hand cupped each in turn. And the swell of her breasts was more obvious, she was sure of it. At last it seemed the long-awaited development was beginning to happen. For a couple of years, Ruth's main ambition had been to have breasts like Lizzie, or even Alice, except that Alice's were always tightly encased in concealing black dresses, and so were almost invisible, except to her sisters when they were undressing. Ruth decided that when her breasts did develop, she would wear pretty tailored blouses to make the most of them. She shifted closer to Lizzie and pressed her knees in behind her sister's. Come on, our Alice. It's all right for you, but we've to be at work for six. But Alice was.